0: well good morning it's good to see all of you again i'll just i'll just start with a prayer for that family I had to Join with me gracious god we uh, uh lord we look to you as our rock as our salvation as our great reward Are there are times like these when we just don't know what to do where life seems to overwhelm us where something we cannot control breaks in and disrupts um what would have been preparation for coming home and God I pray for this family I pray for their full and complete healing I pray for their, your spirit to comfort them and restore them in whatever the way they need may your gospel be their light in this great darkness God and bring them home safe to us and we pray in Jesus name amen well it is it is uh, truly good to be with you all again I'm filling in for Tom of course um, and I always love coming here, this is one of the most beautiful sanctuaries um, that I've been able to worship in, I, I stop at a lot of them, all over Wisconsin, and this is, this is one of my favorites, so thank you for, for having me, this is a beautiful place. We're going to get started with uh, uh, John chapter 3, which is our gospel reading, John chapter 3 verses 14 through 21, my, um, my translation might be a little bit different, uh, but we'll see hear God's word to you this morning. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, And will not come into the light, for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is God's word. Our, our gospel reading this morning, of course, is a famous one. And it's, it's famous in part because of John 3.16. Uh, we see this verse everywhere. It's probably one of the most uh, popular and famous verses in all of Scripture. And you may be horrified to learn that my first conscious encounter with this verse came through professional wrestling, came through WWF. I don't come from a very holy background, I must say. I loved wrestling, I absolutely loved it. And there was nothing in the world that I could imagine myself being rather than a professional wrestler. And I realized this morning when I was talking about this that I'm like, this is as close as I'm gonna get, right? I, I'm able to talk into a camera, there's bright lights, there's uh, you know smoke and bells sometimes, there's, we have fancy titles and fancy costumes, so this is as close as I'm gonna get, that's okay. But I loved wrestling. And Stone Cold Steve Austin was unquestionably my favorite wrestler, some of you may remember him. He had a, a motto that he used, "Austin 316." If you remember that, "Austin 316," and he wielded this like a weapon, and he would use it to taunt and mock the opponents that he defeated. So he would say something to the effect of, "Austin 316 says I just whooped your rear end." Now I'm cleaning, I'm cleaning that up considerably, right? Because this is church, but you catch my drift. But if you were watching sports on TV in the 90s and and even earlier, you would find often signs with John 3.16 on them. But when I was watching wrestling, you would often start to see Austin 3.16 signs popping up at arenas around the country. And so I, as a kid, went back and I dusted off my Bible and I looked up John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And it struck me, I was a little uncomfortable even as a kid, I was a little uncomfortable that a wrestler was co opting a, a reference to Jesus' words. Right? It made me, made me a little uncomfortable. I thought Jesus belongs in church. Jesus belongs in a, a dignified, respectable, reverent space where we dress nice, where I put on my clip on tie and wear my shiny shoes. That's where Jesus belongs, not, he does not belong. In a rowdy, reckless, disrespectful, and disturbing place. Like an arena where a wrestling match is happening. But Jesus would disagree. Jesus would vehemently disagree. Because of verse 19, where he says this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Light has come into the world. Not close to. Not near Not at a comfortable distance. Light has come into the world. The life-giving language of God coming into a place where it would probably be ignored at best or denigrated at worst. The language of God comes in to the world. If you read the Bible, you begin to realize that God has been going into undignified spaces and disreputable lives since the beginning. He eats with the wrong men. He speaks to the wrong women. He touches the diseased. He identifies with the poor. And that fact can make us a little uncomfortable. Because that means God gets close. It means God gets very close. We cannot keep him at a safe distance even while we're living in the darkness because he is the light. And he will come into the darkness. But not just that. See, our, our gospel reading, this famous passage, teaches us that God gives recklessly. He actually gives recklessly of himself. He gives well past the point of socially acceptable limits because he gives his son. And that's not socially acceptable. He blows right past the boundaries. Of what we think is acceptable. And that is the most uncomfortable gift there can be. The son of God. The child of God given. Now what what does that mean? Well Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus here. And he tells us what this means by reaching back to the book of Numbers. In the Old Testament. And that's our first verse. Verse 14. Verse 14. Jesus says this, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now, in Numbers 21, if you go back and read that, you'll realize the Israelites are grumbling. They're getting really, really irritated with God and with Moses. And they say this there is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. And right away you realize, well, that doesn't quite match up. If there's no bread and no water, how do you detest this miserable food? But that's how we are as people, right? It's like standing in front of a full refrigerator and saying, there's nothing to eat in this house because there's nothing that you want. So the Israelites are grumbling and they're complaining, getting irritated with God because their rescue from Egypt is becoming inconvenient. So they're complaining, and God responds to their complaint by sending snakes, which creates a whole bigger mess. And it also kind of tells you how fruitful complaining is, right? As one of my my preaching professors from years ago once said, he said, people will ask, how could God send snakes to bite the Israelites and stuff? And he says, well, I think God sent them snakes because they had become snakes themselves. Right, the constant grumbling, the complaining. In the story, the, the snakes bite the grumblers and they begin to realize that they've, uh, they're being foolish. And they beg God for mercy and God relents. And he says to Moses, make a snake and put the snake on a pole and anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. And that is what Moses does. He makes the snake, puts him on a pole and all who look at the snake lived. All who looked. All who looked. How much faith does it take to simply turn your head and look? How much faith? Only as much as turning to look at your spouse when she says, Honey, look at this. Simple faith. Simple trust. Uh, Faith the size of a mustard seed. Turning and looking at Jesus. Enough faith to simply turn your head. Hebrews 12 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. The author and perfecter of our faith. The more we we simply turn our faces and look at him and not at us, the more we turn our faces and look at him every day, the more robust our faith will become. Because he is the perfecter of our faith, not us. He is the perfecter. Our first motion always should be to the cross. No matter what. So, the hard part is not turning and looking, right? The hard part is seeing what's actually there when you look. Seeing what's actually there. There's a difference, right? I can look at an open page in a book, or I can read it. You can see what's actually there, there's a difference. When the Israelites turned and they looked at that snake on a pole, they saw their punishment. They saw what was sent to punish them. No longer harming them. In fact, they just look at it and they find life. They just look at it and they find healing. When we look at Jesus Christ on the cross, we see the future that we should have had. We see the punishment that was due us. Now interrupted by the body and blood of Jesus Christ, a whole new life restored for us. But you see, we we see our sin and our healing all in one. We see where we came from, and the glory to which we're going. We see our brokenness, and we we see our healing, all in that Jesus Christ, all in that cross. We did not know we needed something so extreme because as a people, we've largely been living in the dark. But light comes into the darkness. It comes into the darkness. Now, if you get $1,000 in the mail randomly from a friend, would you be grateful? I would be. I'd be grateful. But I realize, I realize that I would probably start to wonder why. Why? Why, why did this friend send me $1,000? may even be offended a little bit. right? Wait a second. Who does he think I am? Does he think I don't work? Does he think I don't earn my own money? What, is, what does he mean by this? What is he telling me about this? And just like that, we can turn a gift into a grievance. Right? We can turn grace into an insult. We can turn... A gift of kindness into a critique of us. Now multiply that by a billion and you have the cross. Because we were so broken that it required the Son of God to die for us. And yet we are so loved that he didn't even hesitate to die for us. God gives past. The point of socially acceptable limits. He blows right beyond it, right past that boundary, because we needed nothing less. We needed all of that on the cross. For God so loved the world, the cosmos in the Greek. For God so loved the cosmos, and the cosmos means all unredeemed creation. See, God looks at the broken world and He loves it. That means me and you and everyone in this world. God gave His Son for everyone, the unfit, the unworthy, the ignorant, the insane, the proud, the powerless, everyone. the sins of everyone is carried on that cross in that one man for us. And that radical love produced a very uncomfortable gift, the gift of His Son. And it had to be uncomfortable. Because uncomfortable things are the things that wake us up. Right? It wakes us up to see our sin there. We see where we came from and the glory to which we're going. It wakes us up. Now, uncomfortable things are needed sometimes. Alarms are uncomfortable. And I found, especially this morning, that my alarm was particularly uncomfortable. Right, But I needed it. I needed it to wake up and to see what was actually going. Then I had to get out and get into the car and come to Elkhorn. You know, gently nudging someone in the middle of the night is uncomfortable, but my wife has to do that to me often because I steal all the blankets. Every night. And so she has to judge, she has to nudge me and wake me up. It's uncomfortable. But I need it. I slept in yesterday and my rabbit, my rabbit jumped up on the bed and put its little nose right in my face because I was two hours past her breakfast time. That's uncomfortable. The cross is grace right in our faces. Grace in our face. That's what the cross is because we see our sin and we see so much more. We see God's love. We see our complete healing in him. But it needs, see, the cross is there to wake us up. It's our failure, and it's God's unfathomable love all in one. And it's meant to wake us up so that we turn and look to him every day. Every day. Realize the gift he's given us for nothing. When we didn't even ask, he gave us this gift. What does that say about his heart? He went and died for us, and we never asked. We didn't know what we needed We are so deeply loved and we are so destructively flawed. Luther said we are sinner saints, right? Sinners and saints. If that gospel, if that reality, if that seed germinates in our hearts and it begins to grow and it begins to flower, there is no one in this world who will not feel welcomed in our presence. If that actually takes root. No one. No one. The broken, the bored, the depressed, the disheveled. They will all find hospitality in our presence. If that gospel takes root. And that's exactly what the church is. When this uncomfortable gospel is alive in your heart. It makes room for the uncomfortable people. It makes room for uncomfortable stories. It makes room for all of life. The good and the bad. That's what the church is. We are salt. We are salt and we are light. We preserve what is good. That's the salt. And we bring warmth to the wounded. We bring truth to those tortured in heart. Salt and light. That's what the church is. God's love does not shy away from uncomfortable places. Does not shy away. You cannot be more uncomfortable than being on a cross. And that shows us how humble, how humble this Jesus is. And that means no matter who you are, you can find him anywhere. Anywhere. In a crowd of wrestling fans, at a biker rally, at a seedy bar in a cluttered home, you can find him in a dirty bathroom, you can find him at a park, at a school, at a gas station, on a Zoom call. You can find him in a coffee shop. You can find him at a refugee camp. You can find him in a retreat center. This is who our God is. Now, there's a man I've, I've been ministering to in the hospital, and he's been in and out of the hospital a number of times. And he's a convicted felon. He spent almost two decades in prison. He has a mental illness, a really difficult past. He has put his faith in Jesus. And in fact, when I saw him the other day, I I realized that he has a word tattooed on his forehead, right from scripture, to remind him of the forgiveness he received when he didn't even ask for it. The forgiveness he received before he was even born. When Jesus Christ died on the cross. Right? Simple trust. He has a simple trust that God does what he says. And that's what faith is. Simple. Simple trust. The light came into the world. Into the darkness. But it doesn't, just, it doesn't just come into the darkness. It actually stays. The light actually comes to stay. The light never leaves. One, one commentator put it this way. Eternal life is more than endless existence. It is sharing in the life of the eternal one. Jesus defines eternal life as knowing the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he sent. He says this, "Eternal life is the life of the age to come, which is gained by faith, cannot be destroyed, and is a present possession of the one who believes." A present possession. You know, we can actually we can actually contact this eternal life right now because it's in relationship with Jesus through the spirit. It's in relationship with the Father through the Spirit. No matter what your story is, no matter where you came from, you can actually access this eternal life right now. There's a class I've been listening to as I drive around the suburbs of Milwaukee doing hospice visits. And in this class, the professor is telling a story about how he had to um, put his mom in a a memory care unit because um, of her dementia that it had so progressed. And in her younger years, she was a missionary and a musician. She was the first woman to ever be ordained in her denomination. She was an expert in Hebrew and in Greek. She knew a number of different languages. She served as a missionary in in South America for many years. And all of that seems to have vanished. Except for one thing. Except for one thing, and this professor says that one day he, was, he walked into her room in the nursing facility and he recognized that she was humming the old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Just humming it. And I've seen this too, by the way, when I meet with patients who have dementia, that they can barely tell me their names, but they can say the Lord's Prayer with me. And you realize this light, this light goes deep into whatever darkness our lives find. No matter what darkness we find in our lives, this light is there and it is never leaving because of what Jesus Christ did. When everything else departs, this is the light that keeps us. No matter what darkness we enter. Because God so loved the world. All of our disobedience is buried. All of our future is restored. And that is uncomfortable and it's glorious. It's glorious. He will be our God despite the discomforts and the confusions of life. Because He's well well acquainted with undignified spaces and disreputable people, He knows them well. He's been doing that from day one. What kind of love turns scared little men like the disciples into saints? Only this love. Only the love of God. John's gospel uses the word agape in this passage. Which means a love that gives and gives and gives and gives. And When you taste that love, there's a space opened up in your life. And in your heart for the whole uncomfortable world. When peace like a river. Attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say. It is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. Is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. And let me end with this from Charles Spurgeon, who I think says it better than anyone. And he says Jesus is God's free gift to all receivers, a full Christ for empty sinners. If you can but Hold out your empty, willing hand. The Lord will give you Christ at this moment. Nothing is freer than a gift. Nothing is freer than a gift. Nothing is more worth having than a gift which comes fresh from the hand of God, as full of power as ever it was. The fountain is eternal, but the stream from it is as fresh as when it was first opened. There is no exhausting this gift. There's no exhausting this gift. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, Lord, when we look at the cross, we realize all of our sin is there. All of our brokenness in there, and yet, and yet, so much more. All of our belonging is there. All of our love from you is there. All of the grace for us is there. And Lord, you said it best at the table with your disciples when you said, Take my body. This is given for you. Drink my blood. This is shed for you. You gave your body, you gave your very life to be with us forever and to open up a space in our hearts so that we can welcome the whole uncomfortable world and be the true church.